This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. back to now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Public schools in New Brunswick are facing a slew of accessibility issues. Shelly Petit and her organization have been assisting with some of the accessibility complaints. Shelly is the chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. Hey, good morning, Shelly. Good morning, Dave. How are you? Shelly, I'm great. I always enjoy chatting with you because you shed some light on what's going on in a province that sometimes doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And there are a whole bunch of issues at public schools. And let's start with maybe what you'd assume were one of the more basic issues. And that's that a lot of the province's schools were built prior to 1970 and do not have elevators. There is one school that's doing some repairs and it's affecting one of the students. So what are some of the specific details behind this issue? Okay, so she's a young girl in grade 12, Jessica, and uh, she came to us. Her, She got a notification mid-October saying in two weeks' time, we're shutting down the elevator for eight to 10 weeks to do repairs. Um, and actually, it wasn't even repairs, it was just an upgrade. And it turns out it's one of those use it or lose it budget issues. But it did not have to happen right then and there. There was nothing wrong with the elevator, but they decided it was time to do an upgrade and they were doing it. And basically, you know, that there was no forethought into the fact that she could not now go to the cafeteria. She couldn't get to her homeroom. She couldn't get to some of her classes that are mandatory for her to graduate. And so she has to sit on the main floor and try to join in by computer, but it doesn't work the same. And this is a young lady who's already had so much of her schooling affected by COVID. And there was no no forethought as to how it would affect her. So what are the options in place here? Because I think someone watching at home or listening at home would say, hey, an elevator upgrade is a good thing. That that in the long term, that's a oh. huge benefit. So what are the, what are the options? What's the better way for a school or a board to handle that? Well, they knew that this was this repair was coming. And I think what happened is the school year started, there was money in the budget, and someone said, oh, let's do the elevator. But let's do some forethought and think, how does this affect people? So if it's an emergency, that's a different story. Then we have to work around that. But in this case, it could have been done the summer before or this coming summer. Even then, it would still impact school year a bit at an eight to 10-week repair, but it would be a lot better, significantly better. But they even need to start thinking beforehand, how do we arrange our classes? So if our school has several layers, what are some of the classes that are often hidden off to the corners? Because so many of our schools are built like this in New Brunswick. So we tend to hide science labs off into a corner. Well, let's make sure there's at least one on the main accessible floor to everyone so that it's not interrupting their education. If we're doing a tech program or a flu lab, make sure there's one of those on the main floor because then you can switch the teachers around and say, okay, well, you used to teach a class in room 311, but for the next two months, you're gonna do it in 211. And all the able-bodied people can move to that room. 
and then the student can still participate in school as per usual. Yeah, just a l little bit of planning, right? Just a little smidge, a little bit of planning, a little bit of tweaking. Yeah, a little bit of planning, a little bit of tweaking. Okay, that's an elevator side. Of course, another standard mm -hmm. accessibility issue is parking spaces and entrances. So there's a student who uses crutches who's having a huge issue with accessible parking spots and entrances to the school. Right. So, so what are some of the details here in terms of how this ends up being a really good example of poor planning right so again it's one of the older schools that you know you, i'm sure you have them in toronto too like the degrassi building with multiple bricks or uh cement stairs up the front right you know 10 12 15 stairs mm -hmm. to get to the front door so yeah we're you know unfortunately those exist still all over the place and those are very hard to get up if you've got crutches especially when you're a younger person who's maybe not your body is still all shifting and adjusting and you're learning how to work with it so then they have to come in often through a side door towards the basement that has a ramp with, built into it, which we've seen before. And I've had this happen when I was still able to teach. And there's nothing I could do about the front stairs, but what I could do, because I thought about and thought, well, that's not fair to the student. I made sure as soon as I saw the parent pulling into the parking lot when I was on duty, I already had students assigned to go in the front door that we're able body, go around and open up the side door with the ramp. So as dad's pulling up to that side door, the door is open because right now, dad has to either pull up to the front, go up the stairs, go in, get someone to open the side door around the back, like towards the back with the ramp, then go back to his car and drive it around. Or like, you know, so it's just take 30 seconds and think about it. And because we know that common sense is really not all that common, the school board, the district, the superintendent needs to make a policy and say, when you have someone on crutches, the people on duty have to assign someone to make sure that door gets open for them, that they do not have to wait because they shouldn't have to wait. They should yeah. have the same experiences as their friends. I, I think it's also more broadly an example of where if you have an accessible entrance and you have accessible parking spaces, those things need to be sort of lock and step. Like you're describing, yes. there needs to be people on the ground organizing and making decisions. But from purely a design point of view, your accessible mm -hmm. parking spot and your accessible entrances should be going hand in hand as well. And in the in a proper situation, the main door would be switched to the accessible yes, door. And everybody yeah. would be going in the same door. That would be the best solution. And it is very easy to do. But for whatever reason, um, I don't know what it's like in Ontario, but we do not like change in New Brunswick. No. So. <laughs> I, don't, I, I, think, I think that's a commonality uh, that runs across yeah. provincial and national borders. Uh, Shelley, one, yes. more, one more side of this to explore. And this one isn't just a disability issue. This is an everybody issue indoor air quality in schools. What's the mm -hmm. experience on the ground like in New Brunswick right now when it comes to air quality in schools? Well, I would not be disabled if it wasn't for poor air quality in schools. So there's step one. Uh, and I was not the only teacher that was lost at that school. Another teacher has lost her ability to speak because of um, she just developed vocal cord dysmorphia. So our indoor air quality is very poor because we either have these 150-year-old buildings that are full of mold, or we have buildings that were built in the 70s where everything was shut down airtight. Unfortunately, our premier chose to take the money that was provided by the federal government to work on indoor air quality and used it to pay down the debt. So um, our students are suffering. And now we've got an even bigger problem because we've 
New Brunswick, we're famous for our radon issues. And so schools that are built into the ground have radon problems. Uh, most of the students think that the little black thing in every classroom is a camera. It's not, it's a radon detector. And it's becoming more well known because in one community in Salisbury, um, everybody is now checking because a very well-known public health nurse who has never smoked, never used chemicals, any of that stuff, now has incurable lung cancer from radon. It's a oh. killer. And it's become an issue in our schools. And we need them to do more and be more honest about the radon levels and the air quality levels in these schools so parents can protect their kids. So the, so the solution on air quality is both short-term and long-term, right? Some of it's a mm -hmm. full-blown HVAC, HVAC renovation. That might take yeah. some time. But what are some ways that schools are at least trying to remedy or mitigate the air quality issue? Um, the ones that are have strong administration that is not towing the government line, they're actually allowing some people are bringing in the homemade um, air purifier systems and different air purifier systems, but the school board does not like those. Uh, yes, yeah, so right there, there's many schools that are now allowing those in the classrooms or the teachers are bringing them in themselves. And then you, you know, when I worked, we I had one as well, but you hit it if someone from district was coming around because it, it uses up power and it costs oh, money. Oh, they gosh, don't like that. Oh gosh, a, 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 a HEPA filter might, might, might increase the hydro bill by 20 cents. Exactly. So it's just, it's, it's, there's no four things. We don't think what are the long-term implications on our healthcare system from this, on our students, on their ability to learn. Um, and then we've got a lot of schools that are close to, especially in the poor economic areas, they're close to the refineries and stuff. You can't open the windows because it smells like a gas plant out there. So you can't even circulate in fresh air within the buildings. Mm. And radon remediation is not that difficult. You know, they could do a lot of it just from, you know, doing a new layer down on the basements in the schools. But if you don't, if you, if you pretend there's no problem, then there's no problem to fix. Shelly, thank you for this. I know you've got a busy day ahead of you. All the best. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Yes, and I probably won't talk to you before, so happy holidays to you and everyone at AMI. Oh yeah, all the best. We'll talk to you. Uh, we'll talk to you in 2024, Shelley. And it's going to be a great year. The Canada Disability Benefits coming. Here we go. I like that. That's optimism. Yeah. I like that. That's Shelley Petit, chair of the New Brunswick Coalition of Persons with Disabilities. To learn more about their programs, you can visit nbcpd.org. NBC. PD.org. In 60 seconds, Alex Smythe will have the weather story of the day. But first, here is Canadian press reporter Karen Rebo with your morning business minute. Canada's main stock index gained 1.1% in trading on Friday, kicking December off on a positive note after the big rallies of November. Toronto's TSX index surged 216 points on Friday to close the week at 20,452. New York's Dow Jones average gained 294 points and the Nasdaq rose 78. In Tokyo this morning, the Nikkei index lost 200 points. February's gold contract surged over $32 on Friday to just under $2,090 U.S. an ounce. And our dollar is trading overseas this morning at 73.84 cents U.S. Coming up this week in business, home sales numbers for Canada's biggest and most expensive cities are expected this week, with numbers coming in from the greater Vancouver area and the Toronto region. The Bank of Canada will make its last scheduled interest rate announcement for this year on Wednesday. The central bank's key interest rate target currently sits at 5%. From the Canadian Press 
Business Desk. I'm Karen Rebo. Thank you very much, Karen. Let's turn to Alex Smythe for the weather update. Oof, Alex, shovels out in huge swaths of the country this morning. Yeah, Dave, from uh, Ottawa, Ontario, all the way to St. John's, Newfoundland, you're going to be experiencing a lot of snow to start your week. So Nova Scotia particularly has been hit hard by this wintry storm system that has brought snow across half of the country, essentially. So schools in the province are already been closed throughout the uh Close today throughout the province, the airport has already reported 12 centimeters of snow this morning. And so this system is expected to linger until late tonight into tomorrow, and then it will move on to Newfoundland late Tuesday. Uh, the province's heaviest snowfall is expected in the Bay of Fundy area, which could see upwards of 15 centimeters of snow falling. And then in New Brunswick, the southern portion of the province could get upwards of 20 centimeters of wet snow. And that's going to include areas like St. John's, Fredericton, and Moncton. Uh, and then in Newfoundland, the south coast is really going to be uh, hit hard with uh, 10 centimeters at least of snow by Tuesday. So as you say, Dave... Get those uh, yeah. snow shovels ready, get the snow plows ready, get the snow blowers ready. It's going to be wet, it's going to be heavy, and it's just the start of yeah. the winter season out east. Uh, school buses were cancelled in Ottawa this morning. Whatever that system was that passed through Toronto yesterday, it was super wet, it was super rainy, and that uh, turned itself into some pretty heavy snow uh, working its way east and north across the uh, province over the day. Alex, thank you for this. Talk to you a little bit later in the show. Coming up next, Napoleon. The film about the historical figure is in theaters. Entertainment critic Amy Amanti trekked out to the theater and has a review of the film. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. I'm Margaret Shepard of the AMI podcast, Tripping On Air. Every month, my co-host Alex Hajar and I spill the tea on what it's really like to live with MS. Watch Tripping On Air on YouTube or download wherever you get your pods.